Hey everyone, thanks so much for checking out Season 2 of the Badass Podcast. Just wanted to give you guys all a heads up. July is going to be a very uh, busy month for us here because we've got uh, Curse of the White Knight, which is Volume 2 of Sean's Batman book, is going to be debuting, as well as a Kickstarter for a book I'm going to be doing called Bloody Hell. And uh, as that gets closer to coming out, you'll get more information. So thanks so much and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is... Sean Murphy and we're here together again face to face, just the way I like it. <laughs> Very unfortunately rare as we you know live multiple states away, but yeah. when, we, when we can do it we like to because it, it sounds yeah. better I think. Well my crazy pitch uh, was why don't I come down, we'll watch a bunch of episodes, we'll get drunk and we'll record like six episodes in a day mm. <laughs> just run the marathon and do mm-hmm. it and even though it's going to be bad by the end like mm-hmm. let's just do it just for the story yeah and clay is the adult so he said no <laughs> yeah um having <laughs> uh, having done multiple shows in a day back to back oh yeah it gets old real quick yeah and we, it would not be fun for anybody recording or listening if we did that right uh maybe maybe when we're done with the series we can run through a bunch of the movies and do that right <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah. today we're going to be talking about two episodes. We're going to be talking about Cape and Cowl Conspiracy and Laughing Fish, uh, because uh, maybe maybe when we're done with the series, we can run through a bunch of the movies and do that. Makes sense. Um, today we're going to be talking about two episodes. We're going to be talking about Cape and Cowl Conspiracy and Laughing Fish, uh, because Robin's Reckoning, Part 1 and Part 2, mm. uh, we had to break it up a little bit, so we're kind of jumping on the other side. Makes sense. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it, and we'll start with Cape and Cowl Conspiracy. Cape and Cowl Conspiracy, written by Elliot S. Magan and directed by Frank Power. And in this episode, episode, and in this episode, Baron Josek, fu- furious at Batman for humiliating him at a dinner party over Josek's underworld connections, hires Josiah Wormwood, a master in setting traps for his victims, to hunt down Batman and bring back the hero's cape and cowl. Note: based on the comic book story. The Cape and Cowl Death Trap from Detective Comics number 450, August 1975, written by Elliot S. Magan. So he actually wrote the comic mm. and then ended up writing this episode. I hope the comic was better. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like this episode. This is the first one that I think I've straight up just not liked. Yeah. Well, quick, one thing I just thought of is because uh, yeah. the next episode as well is referenced from some Batman comics in the 70s. Yeah. What we're seeing is what I call the 20-year turnover, where, like, if I read Spider-Man 299 when I was, you know, a kid, and I loved it, and now here we are 22, 20 years later, whatever, and now mm-hmm. we've got, the, it's in the movie, it's coming back. 
uh, I feel like this was their image back in the late 70s. Like Bruce yep. Tim and these guys were reading their comics in the 70s, mm-hmm. and then 20 years later did they get the chance to like, let's go back to the original stuff, right? which is what we're doing basically now. So this is their Bruce Tim, so to speak. You know, this is the stuff that meant the most to them when they were younger. Yeah, um, that's a really good point because yeah, this would be the uh, Neil Adams era, which yeah. is I think Laughing Fish. I, it's not. Yeah. Neil, I think Neil Adams did the cover, but I don't know if he did the inside. It's the era, but it's it's like mid seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes that makes total sense. Um, and yeah, they got the the original writer of the story to do it. Yeah. But uh, man, not not good. It's it's. First of all, why would you use this, like, knockoff Riddler? Yeah, I, that was my first note. Why isn't this a Riddler story? Yeah, I don't think we've done a Riddler story yet, actually. I don't think we've had one. Mm, yeah, I guess not. And I don't know why you wouldn't just use him here, right. where it's the same gimmick. Yeah, but then I thought, you don't. he doesn't actually need the Riddles. He's like, mm. his thing is, not at all. I like to trap people in these overcomplicated you know, James Bondian type contraptions and then torture them slowly. Yeah. That that's a cool thing. That could be its own thing. You don't need to, to have riddles about it. Yeah, it's really uh um sort of forced in yeah. the way that they get to that point. And uh uh especially if this was right written, written in nineteen seventy five originally. Yeah. The Riddler's been around for a long time at that point. Yeah. That's so true. I, I just don't I don't know. I yeah. like yeah, I can see this being so let's say you're right and this is the you know, them going back to their stuff that they liked when they were reading Batman when they were kids. Right. Why this? I don't know. Of all of the ep- the of all of the Batman stories. Yeah. And like to be fair, it's not terrible. Right. Like I I thought the animation was actually okay. Right. It felt really slow. Uh the it, a lot of the movements felt really slow, but mm-hmm. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. Um but story-wise, there's so many other stories that you could go to. Right. I the, what I liked about it when I when we when you wrote texted me that's what we're watching I got excited because mm-hmm. I'm like oh that's the one where the bad guy has Batman and Batman takes off his cowl and he's got a backup cowl and I always <laughs> yes. thought that was cool, um, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like the bad guy uh, because he he reminded me of Sebastian Gorka, the 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 guy from the the White House who's just completely full of shit. Oh yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Which one, right? Um, yeah, the down. they're all Sebastians. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's so much in this one that I just didn't really work for me. Like the whole twist at the end, yeah, where that guy was Batman the whole time. Yeah. At what point does he become Batman? So after Batman, so when we first meet that character, Batman yeah. shows up when he's publicly speaking. Yeah. Uh, carries him out of the room, throws him on the ground, threatens to throw him off a bridge. Yep. Um, and at that point, after he gets his information out of him, I think that's when he leaves Gotham. Got- Batman says, take a vacation out of Gotham. And the next time we see him, he's behind his desk again. That's Bruce Wayne. And Bruce sure. wants this uh, Wormwood to go get Batman's cowl, and then I will tell you what... Uh, I-, I need to know where you got these, like, th- this bit money from this weird business um, he's leaving money for someone else to pick up i think or something like that that's a th- it's you know what the point is like it's a long way to go for a ham sandwich yes i felt like batman should just arrest him mm-hmm. and say we will knock time off your sentence if you tell us this information <laughs> or why doesn't he just do this whole thing impersonating the baron at the top 
Right. Why, like when they first meet, why doesn't he go, I want you to do something for Even me. Even better, yeah. But before you do it, right. what did you do with that money? Because I right. need to know you're good for it or some shit like that. I think what they wanted was the, the cool, they were going after the cool payoff. And the cool payoff is Batman's been dressing up as this guy all along and yeah. no one knew it. And he had to do it because the only way you wouldn't give him this information is if you thought that he wasn't Batman and he was this other guy. Mm-hmm. I get that. But it has to make sense. And at the end of it, it just doesn't make any sense. Not to mention, like, Batman basically lets him go twice to go out, try another scheme, which puts Batman's life and others at risk. The yeah. cop, he's, like, talking to Gordon the whole time, and the police never show up or involved in any way. Right. And these riddles, all they do is point out how bad Gordon is at riddles. Dude, oh, man. <laughs> like, the, the, the level of, of I, I hate to say it's bad writing, but it felt like bad writing. <laughs> Where they read that, fir- Batman and Gordon read that first riddle. Yeah. And then Gordon goes, what does that mean? And Batman just goes, you don't know. <laughs> like, what, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just, yeah. he's a complete dick to Gordon. Right. And then he just leaves. Yeah, and, twice. Yeah, and well, I don't se- know. The second time he's like, oh, obviously it's at the wax museum. Bye. And Gordon's like, do you want me to send cops? You- <laughs> yeah, oh, no. you're gone. So the one thing I was wondering was... Is this supposed to be an early years Batman story? Because there's a scene when he goes to meet Gordon, mm-hmm. he goes at the he answers the bat signal right. and he says to Gordon, Oh, you got a new toy. So this is this the first appearance of the bat signal? I don't know. I I feel like it's not, because it's in the credits. I don't know if that counts, well, but like, it might be the first appearance in the show. Yeah, I mean I that caught me off guard because I just assumed well, I've been seeing these episodes for twenty five years, whatever. Yeah. Um I assumed that the stuff we've already reviewed up to this point, one had to have a bat signal in it. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Someone listening, t- write yeah. in and tell us if this is the first appearance of the bat signal. To Batman in this, it feels like he's never seen it before. Right. And also, I have a tangent to go off on the bat signal, but I don't. I want to say, let's get through the rest of these. <laughs> Let me see. Gordon's horrible at riddles and clues. Oh, I thought the end was one of the worst fights in this series. So yeah, Batman. Not great is he reveals that he's actually Batman. The guy runs away with his key that Batman needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Batman doesn't lasso him with the Batarang. He, like, slowly walks after him, and the guy gets into the next room, which is a gym. Wait a minute. If you're going to talk shit about the barbell fight, we're going to have some issue here. We're going to go with the barbell (laughs) fight. We're going to... Let me get to it. Uh, the key goes under the door as Batman tackles him. He, he thinks he's knocked the guy out, but he doesn't. Batman slowly walks into the gym mm-hmm. looking for this key. And the guy sneaks around in the shadows and he grabs a pair of like, uh, not dumbbells, but like curling bars, basically like yeah. a 45 pound bar and starts using it like a staff. Yep. Like Donatello. It's awesome. And Batman grabs one. Yeah. Th- th- like, you can't tell me this is the worst. Not only is the preparation awful and Batman could have nipped this in the butt much faster, but Fighting somebody with weights is like the stupidest idea ever. Yeah, it's uh, it's not very practical. I see. That's what that's, I sense a butt coming. That's part of what makes me feel like it's a early Batman story because <laughs> he's never seen the bat signal before. He's a total prick to Gordon, and the way that he fights this guy with a like the guy picks up this bar barbell first, yeah. and then Batman's like, "Fine, you want to fight with barbells? Right. I'll fight with a barbell." It's very, it's a very brash <laughs> young Batman feeling. But they never say that, so that's probably not the case. But yeah, but come it, it, on, it's a barbell fight. I mean, at the very least, that was my favorite part of the episode because at least I was like, "Well, I've never seen that before." 
Wasn't there some action movie that, that we love where they do that? I thought we saw something. I don't know. The closest that I can think of, it's not a barbell fight, but there's a, it's an old horror movie called Motel Hell, yeah, which it. it's not, I would say 90% of it is skippable, mm-hmm. but that last 10% is, yeah. Mm. Well, grabbing it, it involves, the reason I bring it up is because there's a scene at the end where two guys get into a chainsaw fight. Right. which I had never seen before. And this was like 1984, so you know these guys were actually fighting with chainsaws. Not even sanded down chainsaws. They might not have had the chain on them, but like there's two dudes. It's, there's no computers or anything. It's right. two guys with chainsaws right. fighting with them like swords. That does sound pretty good. It was great. Oh, and one guy's wearing a pig head. Yeah, still sounds good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, I feel like if it was Bane... Fighting with barbells, yeah, that would sort of make sense. I'd give it a yeah. pass. It's not the best weapon, but he's Bane, and that's kind of his thing. Is and it would strength. be it would be great if Bane was fighting with with a with a barbell like a bow staff, yeah, and Batman was like throwing five pound weights at his face. Yeah, yeah. he was throwing thigh masters and yeah. like low impact <laughs> items that he yep. could successfully whip across the room. Yep. Um, uh, what else? The rest my my favorite part of this episode, outside of the barbell fight was um, <laughs> when Wormwood goes to the Baron's office and the Baron's like, I have something I want you to do. And he pulls out this <laughs> giant poster of Batman. Batman poster. <laughs> like, was it a photo Batman or a Batman poster? It, if it was a photo, he, he had to call to CVS personally to yeah. get one printed that big. I have it written here. Quote, find Batman. Here's a picture and this sweet-ass poster yes. I bought. <laughs> tear <laughs> yeah then he tears it in half i mean that probably wasn't cheap to print back then i know whenever this is supposed to take place i know printers and black and white tvs it's an amalgam of the timeline so i started... i'm gonna say it's a poster because batman does not pose for photos right well i mean if it was like a, a photo a blow up of like a security camera of batman who posed just <laughs> it's, right it's a 27 by 40 really really blurry <laughs> picture it's like i think this is batman this is what i want <laughs> oh man yeah can we talk about the bat signal? Yes, please. I I never thought about this before, mm-hmm. and I don't want to get rid of the bat signal. But it seems to me the best way to call Batman would be to give him a beeper or a cell phone or anything. Other well, than but a then big they're gonna the sell that number to like robocallers, <laughs> and he's gonna get bat phones calling him from like the same area yeah. code, but it's from China. Batman, for some this reason. is the Prince of Dubai. I need you to send me twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's my that's my biggest pet peeve about phones. Now, do you do you get those phone calls where it's it's like the same area code and the same three first three numbers of your number. Yeah. But it's clearly it's just from China or something. Yeah. I don't know how <laughs> what these people are doing, what they expect me to do if I pick up, which I don't. Right. But uh, yeah, as far as practical ways to call Batman. But, yeah. But here's another: if you wanted to kill Batman, yeah. Wait, get a sit on a rooftop. Mm-hmm. Wait for the uh, near sit near the top of GCPD. Yep. Wait for the lights to go on. Mm-hmm. Get a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. You know Batman's going to show up in five minutes. Bam. You shoot him in the face. You're no fun. But that's literally how easy <laughs> it would be, according to this bat signal True. shit that they set up. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong. I love the bat signal. But when you, I've never thought about it before. But I, it really makes no sense. I also <laughs> love how the bat signal has its own suspension of disbelief. Like, you know how there's this suspension of disbelief with Superman where it's like, well, when his glasses are on, he's Clark Kent. Nobody could tell he's Superman. But right. obviously, you'd be able to tell. With the bat signal, it's always like, Gordon, I know that you have that bat signal on top of GCPD. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. they can't trace it back to where it's coming from. It's just, no. a, it's just a rumor that yeah. it's up there. <laughs> um, 
Well, in the in the Burton verse, I feel like they used it twice, but it was only when things got real bad and they needed to turn it on. They well, I think Gordon in this uses it like twice a week. Yeah, well, in the comics, it's much more of a common occurrence, I think. Okay. Uh, and in the the '60s show, it was very common. In the Burton movies, yeah, they they only use it. I think. They use it once at the end of the first movie. Right. And just that's just for dramatic effect. Yeah. And the second time we talked about last episode, yeah. where they do that ridiculous <laughs> scene where they shine it into Wayne Manor, which is. Yeah. I, I'm so blinded by the four lights in my manor. Like, I need 30 minutes of yeah. darkness just to be able to see now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I I like it when there, there are ways to kind of um, subvert it a little bit, where I think it was. Uh, I don't know if it was the last two episodes we covered. I th- it must have been, because I, I think it was fairly recently, where there was a scene where the bat signal... Maybe I read in a comic, I don't remember. It might have been a comic. They, they shine the bat signal, and then there's there's these two robbers who are doing whatever, and one, right. of, them's, one of them's like, shit, we need to get out of here. And the other guy says, no, that means he's busy doing something else. Oh, that's clever. You know, I, th- I think that might have been Batwoman. I can't, I can't remember. You know what? You could actually fake... You could build a bat signal... Put it on somewhere that's not GCPD on yeah. the other side of the city. Turn it on, mm-hmm. and you know you've got at least an hour of no Batman to do what you got to do. Yeah, he's going to be running towards it, and then he figures it out, and he's going to come the other way. Yeah, and pretty yeah. soon, and you got all the jewels, and you run away. Yeah, I mean it's the same. It's the the theory of set off. So it's the what is it? Die Hard Three. Yeah, where they set off this other thing to to distract all of the cops. <laughs> Yeah. So they can go and steal whatever the money from underneath the tra- World Trade Center or some shit like that. Is three where they had the three gallons and the five gallons, and they needed exactly four gallons? I think so, yes. Yeah, right. when he gets sent on a bunch of weird <laughs> tasks. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, but yeah, th- there's it's, it's you know, a lot, like with anything, it's kind of... Yeah. When you, when you think about it a lot, it, it's not super practical. Yeah. I think this is the nice thing about cartoons and comics is that... If you just it works in a comic, but when you yeah. put stuff into movies and you have real people doing these real things, that's when it's like eh, it actually doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't hold up. But I think the suspension of disbelief in animation and comics is kind of nice, especially as oh, a yeah. writer. Yeah, like if you're too lazy to show something, you're like, well, I'll just say I'll come up with some comic book science, and yeah. people won't care. But that's if you're going to make of a Star movie Trek. of it, yeah, yeah, that's true. You got to be careful if you get into too much like trekkie science to well, explain away the plot i invite you to watch star trek discovery i was gonna ask you yeah. about that comment later yeah um <laughs> seems like you have a love-hate relationship i want to love it but i hate it so yeah <laughs> uh that's not entirely true the the new season has been better and the guy who plays captain pike is amazing okay very very big surprise uh, right. yeah, pleasant surprise he looks good he looks the part yeah he's, he's great it's all out and then i can just get cvs for a week and yeah um, if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to the other podcast that I do where we talk about Star Trek Discovery, and you can hear all my thoughts about that. Um, yeah, I mean, the bat signal is such a great visual, though. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's as iconic as you get, right? right? And it's the way they use it in the Burton movie, that final shot where it's up in the sky. And he he's standing, signal. Yeah. And it comes on like a little explosion. Yeah. Yeah. And the music comes up, and they do the tracking up the building. Right. And he sta- The only thing I don't like about that shot is I I think he's too small. They I wish they had pushed in a little bit more because he uh. looks like a just he looks like he looks like that. I'm pointing to my Michael Keaton <laughs> Batman figure on my wall where he's just kind of tiny up there. We can all see it. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's such a great visual, such a great way to end that movie. I the I don't like it when they try to be too real about it. Right. Like in the uh, what was it? I think it was Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. where they shine it and it's like cloudy, yeah. so it's all diffused and you can't really see it. And it's like, well, that kind of how it would be in real life. Yeah, but that's no fun. You need a nice flat cloud surface right above you for yes. it to really work. You need to above Gotham Gotham PD. Yeah. You have to put a 400 foot billboard. Yeah. that you can just project it on, so it's nice and flat, exactly. nice and clear. Yeah. The thing is, like when you have those nice summery, like high pressure days, and there's no clouds around, you can't call Batman. No, you need it's to sign it on f- the building. I mean, if it's foggy, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that explains those things at, at Wayne Manor, where it's like he's going to need to be able to see this. Yeah, he might miss it. Yeah, maybe like you don't even actually need. Maybe it just triggers a, a, an alarm in the Wayne Manor, and it triggers the four bat signals in his courtyard to shine into his TV room or whatever. I would like to see a mini comic about the guy who lives next door to Bruce Wayne, right. who just starts to pick up every time the bat signal goes on these giant lights. It's the he lives in the gardener shed that Bruce yep. has like rented Airbnb. <laughs> It's like what? that's that's hilarious. The guy who's Airbnb being the the like above the garage at Wayne Manor. That's a good story. I would love to do that story. I was thinking too. Like he's it goes on and he just like leans his head over to see the the bat signal projected on the wall inside the house. Yeah. And suddenly he just like underneath he hears a giant iron door open and a waterfall stops. Yeah. And his car comes cruising out. Twenty minutes later, it comes back covered in blood. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Rating four stars. Yep, <laughs> has all these night. has all these weird younger men going in and out of his house all the time at strange yeah. hours of the night. It's like not a gay club, not a gay club, <laughs> not a gay club. <laughs> Maybe it's that house from that that uh, real estate listing that has the sex dungeon. Oh yeah, stuff, the yeah. sex dungeon. Hey, you know what? Could be a perk. Could be a, a selling point. Yeah, I would. Yeah, the Do listing you, for Wayne Manor would be great. Is there a comic about henchman school? Or any kind of cartoon or parody um, about henchman school. There must be. There's got to be. Yeah. I feel like that's got to. I remember. Uh, do you do you remember the Tick cartoon show? Yes. There was a great episode where uh, the Tick was trying to infiltrate. I think this was the Tick was trying to infiltrate the bad guy club. Yeah. And his sounds, yeah. And his uh, his his buddy there, sidekick Arthur, I, I believe his name is the Moth guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Had to pretend to be his sidekick. Or maybe it was just a. It might have been a hero club. I think it was a hero club. Okay. So they're going to the hero club. The tick gets to go into the main body of the party, right. but Arthur has to go hang out with all of the other sidekicks in like the 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 boathouse where they're all playing cards. <laughs> and they all have like complex. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was, that, was, that was a great show. Like dependency issues. Yeah, or... Forget forget this Batman show. Let's watch <laughs> the tick. So I've been uh, playing uh, Darkwing Duck on NES. Oh, nice. And going back and uh, this is no bearing on this whatsoever. I was only thinking about it because I think. Um, <clears throat> oh, shit, it wasn't Darkwing Duck, it was Tiny Toons. And they had Bat Duck and his sidekick, Decoy. Nice. Yep, Decoy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sidekicks, like I always wondered, like, do you have to be just goofy enough to be a good sidekick? Like a good sidekick doesn't doesn't take over. A good sidekick knows when to accidentally drop the gun. You gotta let the guy who's in charge feel like he did all the work, but really the sidekicks do all the work. Yeah, he like, the a good sidekick needs to know when to uh when to hide in the shadows right. and wait until the opportune right. moment to jump out right. and save the, the good guy. Or when Joker has Curly Larry Moe sidekick, but it's only <laughs> Curly Larry. It's like, sorry, you guys need to find your Moe mm-hmm. before you have you can go out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we love this episode, which is why we've been talking about it so <laughs> intently. Well, do we have a uh, what would you draw? Um, 
honestly, barbell fight. I that was the only <laughs> oh, thing I liked about this episode. Oh, um, it was yeah, I don't know. It was nothing really. My, my first answer was going to be yes, a different episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. But barbells. I mean, drawing gym equipment is always a pain in the ass because you got to draw ellipses, right. like circles, and perspective. Um, and I noticed when a lot of people draw the Batcave and they draw Bruce's like weight set, mm-hmm. it's ba- it's the basic. It's the rings. They don't have any equipment that's actually what you find in the gym because yeah. that shit is a pain in the ass yeah. to draw. I would do. Uh, he, that gym would have. You know how there's some of those gyms that have uh, weights that are cube shaped. Sure. That's what I would do. <laughs> or have it all in a cord. Yeah, there you just go. Just have a stack of weights. It would just be a Nautilus machine. It would be a, f- a <laughs> fight a, with Nautilus. Ooh, thought- that would be awesome. You pull pull the thing off the Nautilus machine and start swinging the weights around like a, yeah. like a like a mace. As you pull it, something else attacks you. So you're trying to do curls while using your other hand to block. Yeah. And you're using a Batman-shaped thigh master. You should write this into White Knight, too. <laughs> and I think it's a good idea. Well, I, I had an idea once uh, where Batman had to fight the bat cave he had to fight his way out of the bat cave like someone had hijacked or like everything's like, computerized like maximum overdrive all of his stuff just starts attacking <laughs> so him. Starts turning yeah. on him so like that bruce lee like bar that block bar thing i don't know yeah. what you call it that thing starts spinning out of control and sure. chasing him lasers go off you know the tv explodes the bat uh batmobile starts shooting isn't i think there's a batman black and white story like that from maybe the most recent one where it's the cave starts attacking him and no, then it, and then it turns out that it's Alfred running like a like a, a training program. Is that a real thing? I think so. Shit, I put the Batman attacking the Batcave in Volume Two of White Knight. Oh, really? I had to sh- cut it down a lot, but yeah, the Batcave gets hijacked and he says, "Get the fuck out of there!" And it's basically yeah. him versus the Batmobile. I yeah, mean, it's, short. it's not it's not the same. I, I know okay. what you're talking about. It's not oh, the same. Oh man, thing. it would yeah. kill me. This thing was. I, I'm pretty sure I'd have to go back and read it, but it was something like okay. that where this all right. of the defense mechanisms okay. at Wayne Manor turn on him. Good. I thought I got a... Wonder Woman for a second. <laughs> no, that's just me. Do you want to explain what that means? No, that's all right. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know what I would draw. I don't know if I'd draw that stupid dark, dumb barbell scene. Um, uh, the melting wax thing could be cool if you yeah. get these like grotesque figures of like Marilyn Monroe like, melting. Yeah. That, that could be cool. Yeah. If you, if you had that like a false plate s- spread of that. Yeah. Um, what would you write this one? I'm gonna go two. Two, yeah. I, I'm gonna say two as well. Like it's not. It's weird because it's not bad. Like there's nothing that's like right. really terrible about it. Uh, the story doesn't make a ton of sense, and I mean right. it's got that thing with the extra. Not the extra mass doesn't really make a lot of sense, but right. that's fun. What but is, what it's is, not. This is know. a Batman '66 story, done with the veneer of Batman the Animated Series. This okay. is what I yeah. feel like they took a, yes. a great story that worked in the 70s and they didn't tell the writer, hey, we're kind of doing something different here. Mm-hmm. We're, we need you to like do your thing, but like make it more adulty. Right. And he didn't quite get the memo. Yeah. It actually reminded me of uh, there's uh, one of the old Fleischer Superman cartoons where there's a guy going around impersonating Superman. And he's got the suit on, and he's like robbing banks and stuff. And it, it the, all the designs are so similar to that. Anyway, I kind of thought that's where they were going. I thought when he's like, "I need you to," I thought the Baron was going to say, uh, "I need you to frame Batman or right. some shit like that." Right. Um. But that Superman one has such a great an ending because uh, this guy who's impersonating Superman is working for this bigger boss mm-hmm. um and he's always he comes back and he brings him the loot and everything 
And then uh, after Superman takes care of the imposter, he goes to the dude's place and is just like hanging out behind his desk. And you can't see his face, but you can see the Superman symbol. And the guy's like, you know, give me the money. And he's not moving. He's like, Did, are you not listening to me? Yeah. What's going on? And then he grabs his, his golf club and he's like, when I tell you to do something, and then he whacks him and the golf club just snaps. And he goes, <laughs> oh, no. It's great. That's great. I would I would love we, we if if we ever do extra shows, I would love to do some of those Fleischer cartoons because those cartoons are amazing. Yeah. I actually have <clears> a cassette tape of the Superman radio show. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty interesting. No kidding. Because you hear a gunfire, and then you'll hear Superman go, huh, too, a pity you can't see those bullets bounce off my chest. Because <laughs> there's no way to tell the listener what just happened. Right. So you have yeah. Superman narrating the fight as he's kicking a whole bunch of ass. Yeah, or you do the thing where you have people watching the fight, and they're like, I can't believe the way the bullets are just bouncing off his chest. Uh, yeah, so not super high on this one. Yeah. Uh, well, question, Do you? is there a one out there in this series? Ooh. Top uh, of your head, can you think of a one? Because I feel like we should be prepared to rate a couple of things with a one. Yeah, I I don't think we've done that yet. I we could, haven't. No, I've given I, out like two fives. I think already. Yeah, Wes. If this was if Wes was involved, he would have all of these things spreadsheeted because I think he does that for the Star Trek. Because you need ones. to have it properly. Yeah, so you yeah. need to be able to look back and you know. But I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we've done one that was a one. If yeah. I had to think back and think of an episode that I think is probably closest to the one, it might be the first Scarecrow episode. Oh. Because that one, I remember, he's so bland. Yeah. The the, the dream stuff is whatever, or the fear talks and stuff is whatever. Yeah. It's just not. Or Christmas with the Joker. Yeah. That was one of the, I think that was one of our lowest ones, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I mean, at the end of this, if we don't have any ones, we'll have to come up with the worst episode I think. yeah we'll have to go back and re-rate every single one without the bell curve that we use <laughs> cool so, so yeah that's gonna do it for cape and cow conspiracy take a quick break and we will be back with laughing fish all right we're back and now we're going to talk about The Laughing Fish. Laughing Fish, directed by Paul Dini, directed by Bruce Tim. And in this episode, Joker creates a toxin that affects only fish, mutating them into Joker fish. Then he targets innocent men who refuse to copyright his Joker fish. The Joker also captures Harvey Bullock. And Batman must rescue him and foil the Clown Prince of Crime's insane scheme. Note this episode is based on three Batman comics blended together. The Joker's Five-Way Revenge from Batman number 251, September 1973 by Denny O'Neill with art by Neil Adams, followed by The Laughing Fish and Sign of the Joker from Detective Comics 475 and 476 of February and March 1978, both by writer Steve Englehart with art by Marshall Rogers. Before we get into it, I want to mention something. In the credits, this does mention, based on comics by Denny O'Neill and Steve Englehart, Mm. But they do not list the artists as uh, they don't give them a credit, and I feel like in the modern era, mm-hmm. every time that they credit comics, they always do the the, the creative team as a whole, the it's, artist and direct, the artist and writer. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of surprised by that. I yeah. So in the last um, twenty years, artists have been fighting for not just copyright and ownership of creating these ideas, mm-hmm. but also screen credit. Mm-hmm. There's a documentary, Batman and Bill, 
the Batman Bill Finger. Bill yeah. Finger who created the Batmobile, the phrase the Dark Knight. He yeah. created most of it. All the good stuff, yeah. basically. Yeah. And he didn't get credit till recently after a giant legal battle that, you know, Batman was around for you know, sixty years before mm-hmm. I mean, it, was, it was crazy, but I feel like we've sort of steered the ship correctly on that. Um, but you know, I'm also the rare artist who can. Oh, I also sort of understand why artists were kept out of it because mm-hmm. artists don't do blueprints and come up with plots and stories, and they, they get it after the it's been designed. It's it's been sort of created on on, on the page with words and then artists like take it up another level like i don't i can see why in the 70s they would sort of gloss over artists contributions honestly mm-hmm. to be fair i think it defend i think it depends on what the working style is mm-hmm. because i know a lot of the marvel guys back in the day were getting very loose scripts yeah and then you know that's where the marvel method comes from that's and if, if you don't know what that is the marvel method mm-hmm. is uh the, the artist would get a very rough idea of what the story was about. It would be like, you know, this issue, Thor fights uh, the Incredible Hulk, and at the end, an alien spaceship shows up and, you know, destroys whatever. Yeah, here's your dialogue. Make it fit. You have six panels or whatever. Well, they wouldn't even get dialogue, I don't think. I think they would just get the breakdown. Okay. And then the artist would then basically create the story, and then they would, you know, whoever was writing it would go, you know, Stanley mostly, at at least during the early days, would go in and tune up the story to what the the, the artist drew. In that, so I think in that case, you're right, yeah. it's a lot more blurry. Right. But I don't know how they worked at DC at that time. Yeah, I mean, everybody's I, different too. Yeah. I mean, the way Scott Snyder works on Batman is, I think it's a Marvel-style script. Yeah. And, oh, really? And he and Capullo, and they've talked about this. Mm. Um, they, they've talked about it publicly, and they clashed a lot at the beginning. Because really? Scott wanted to be more, you know, pen one, pen two, pen three, pen four. Which is how I like to work right. as an artist. Yep. And Greg was more of like he came off of Sam and Twitch and Spawn. Yeah. He just wanted like, listen, kid, you know, you don't tell me how to do my job, and you know. And he worked at Marvel before that. Yeah, so Marvel and yeah. Image. I don't think I don't know, but I'm gonna say he probably, judging by his work on Spawn, yeah, which is great, but it's it doesn't look like that was planned out panel to panel to panel. No. No, I don't get that impression either. But yeah. I think that's the way that Greg likes to work, though. Yeah, that's totally cool. I mean, he even said, like, Sam and Twitch, which were these two cop characters from Spawn, mm-hmm. it was just two guys talking in a dark alley half the time. It was, yeah. like, easy peasy to draw after a while, you know? Um, but, yeah, so when I write scripts, I write full scripts and dialogue. and it, I. But, but you make a good point. Um, if you have a giant Daredevil movie mm-hmm. that makes a ton of money and you're crediting the writer and... You find out that the writer half-assed this script, and the artist actually filled in a lot. Mm-hmm. Then, in that case, legally speaking, yeah, he deserves a lot more credit. Yeah. You are actually a, more of a creator at that point. Like, I don't want to be specific because I don't want to get yelled at by anybody. <laughs> but do you have anything that you've done in your past where you feel like if they were to turn it into a movie, you would say I did a lot more work than the person who was credited as the writer? Yeah, I'll be specific. Uh, <laughs> When I was doing I Joe gave the you, Barbarian, I gave you the out. <laughs> I don't need That's the all out. I'm saying. I gave you the out. When I did Joe the Barbarian, um, and I've talked about this before, um, not with Grant, but I was with a writer named Grant Morrison. It was my first uh, sort of big break-in book where people sort of saw me on the map, and um, it was about this kid who was going through. Um, he had like seizures, or he was hallucinating. I forget what the disease was, but his toys would come to life. Yeah. And in the script, it was like his toys, soldiers, blocks, just etc. 
So I didn't know where the story was going, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want to draw a bunch of stupid blocks, so I'm going to make his toys Transformers. And there's a start, there's Han Solo, there's Picard, there's uh, G.I. Joe, whatever. Like, I would throw everything at it. Mm-hmm. And I did such a good job of it that that took over the story in a way. Yeah. Like, it wasn't about what Grant was writing. It was about all these Easter eggs I was throwing in. Um, and you effectively made it impossible to turn to a movie for <laughs> licensing reasons. Yeah. Well, so I remember DC had, they told me later that the legal department had a projector screen, like, blown up in an office, like, looking through the background at every single character. And they were making sure that I didn't draw He-Man exactly like He-Man. Mm-hmm. And they were trying, like, is it 80% different? Like, I forget what the rule of thumb is when it comes to that stuff. I remember you told me the one of the biggest problems you had was you drew yeah. a little man with no name in the background a cowboy yeah and yeah. because dynamite had the rights to that at the time you had to change that even though it was a very yeah incidental detail dc knew that uh, dynamite was working on something and even though i just drew like i drew a ton of stuff that should you changed. drew john luke picard <laughs> full frame and they did they let you do it and it looked like him it did well they changed the jacket to and he uh, only had one leg pink so. yeah yeah well, it's got to be 80% different or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I think the takeaway from that book was this is a great book about a bunch of crazy a, a toy war. Yeah. And when Grant came up with this idea, I don't think that's what he meant at, at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this day, I can't tell you what that book was about. Well, I'll tell you. I think they're sitting on – I've said this to you before. I think – A lawsuit? Jo- no. I think Joe the Barbarian would be a fantastic kids movie. Like if – if this was 19, 1987, 1990, oh, yeah. that would be prime Henson Studio movie. Oh, yeah. I think it would be amazing. Yeah, it's it's never-ending story meets yeah. Toy Story. Yeah, basically. I think yeah. it would be amazing. And speaking of copyright, <laughs> uh, Laughing Fish, I fucking loved this episode. Not, be, like, not explicitly because it's front-to-back perfect, but because the fact that the entire plot is the Joker is trying to copyright fish to make money. So this is like the closest you could get to the Joker going straight. Right. Because he's crazy. So he thinks, I'm going to make money legally. I'm going to poison all these fish to turn them into Joker fish, which I am then going to copyright and cash in on. And when the copyright guy tells him, no, you can't do that, that's insane, the Joker gets so mad about it, he just tries to kill everybody. Right. And that's this episode is... um, He's he's not as the Joker is not as dangerous and uh, f- seeming and just straight up evil seeming as he was right. in in the Drive Off the Road episode. Right. But I feel like this Joker is how I like my Joker, where he's ridiculous, right? But he's scary, and he whatever he's doing, he thinks is hilarious, right? Even though the stuff that he's doing is very very dangerous and right. probably going to get people killed. So this is what made the episode not work for me. But I admit that there's really two ways to go with this, depending on how you want to perceive it. Is it enough that Joker has got it in his head that he should have the, the copyright it's on brilliant. these smiling fish? This is a kid's show. Even though that's dumb. Based around copyright arguments. <laughs> the Joker thinks it's it's absolutely 100% yeah. should be his. Yes. And that's enough to drive it. Yep. If you think that that's awesome, then it works for Love you. Love it. But I'm more of a... Um, the episode you just mentioned where he steals the guy's license. Right, and, right. Yeah. I feel like it works, but that Joker, this Joker you're talking about mm. that wants his copyright, he he is so 
crazy that he could easily qualify for an insanity plea. Whereas the one that the episode where he takes the guy's driver's license and mm-hmm. follows up, like he's got more, he's more of a mastermind. Yeah. He's more dangerous. He's more fully formed. I think they can coexist though, because there, there's a certain level of, uh, um, not insanity is not the word I'm looking for, but like, um, uh, being so much of a mastermind mm-hmm. that, you know, small shit can set you off. And a person like that, when you set that person off, right. they're going to drive you into the ground, which he does in that episode. Right. And I think he does here as well, but just in a different way that's a little bit less realistic. Right. But I guess my Joker is best when he's balanced, when his insanity is balanced by seriousness <clears throat> in some way. And this episode was crazy, but it wasn't balanced by any sense of seriousness. Mm-hmm. He was just off the reservation. And again, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Yeah. I think, you know, because I, I think... In order for him to have that balance, he has to swing both ways eventually, right? Right. So why he can sometimes yeah. if something catches him on the wrong day. Right. I mean, it, it not to get too heady about it, but like, isn't that sort of the definition of the relationship that Harley and Joker have? Right. Where he's, you know, the classic thing that they always, that people always say, oh, it's different when it's just us. Right. There are moments where he is sound and sweet to her right but then there's moments where she says the wrong thing and he fucking pops off on her yeah granted so i mean obviously yeah. this is this is not a realistic depiction of that but right right but i mean what you said you said well something else before where you said uh i think this is just taste how do you like yeah. your joker yeah like I'll, I'll skip to the end on this one i i was gonna give this episode a three mm-hmm. but i think it probably deserves a four yeah but it's just not my type of four I uh, skipping to the end for me. I'm I would give it a four. I wouldn't give it a five because so I yeah. I think it's I think the story. I love the story for the story that they chose to tell. Right. But I don't think it's a perfect episode by any means. Right. Like there's if if I were to make this more of a perfect episode, there would be more character stuff between Batman and the Joker, maybe or just just it's it's very light on character. Right. And uh, it's very much Batman just trying to stop the Joker's plot. Right. And, you know, those are fine, too. Yeah. I think I would prefer this to something like Christmas with the Joker, which Definitely. is just wacky and off the, off the wall, yeah. you know? So um, I looked looked up uh, what the... I actually looked at the pages of art from the 70s mm-hmm. that this episode was based off of. Um, and I actually didn't go too deep into it because I figured you would. <laughs> I Yeah, I was going to, but I, I forgot to. Okay, so here's what I discovered in my 10 minutes of research but i do have this i do have a little model of the cover oh that's all right there's some cool points right there so um mostly um it was interesting because sorry some of the neil adams pages i saw Mm -hmm. it's it's just the shark sequence yeah you're batman fighting a shark and you've got i think it's gordon tied up and in the episode they switched it out with bullock because they actually had a bullock batman subplot in this that's the other interesting thing about this is they were able to take three stories, basically two stories of three comics, uh, can cut it down to one and add Harley Quinn mm. and add Bullock to it and manage to get something coherent out of it, yeah. which is impressive. Yeah. Um, the what was I going to say? So one of the things I came across was uh, this article was claiming that Frank Miller gets credit for making Batman dark, mm-hmm. and. That's actually not true, according to this article. Uh, Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill mm-hmm. made Batman Dark. Mm-hmm. So when did Batman Dark Knight come out? Uh, I want to say 1987. 85, 86. Okay. 
I think. So, don't but quote me on that. You can go back a decade and my, find... It's one of my favorite books, but I don't know when it came out. So the episode that... Um, it's not O'Neill. It's the other writer you quoted before. Englehart? Englehart. Yeah. This was... It's voted on some lists as one of the top 10 single-issue, one-shot Batman stories of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of the ones in the 70s that made Batman dark again. Because you had a story that could be goofy and Adam West-ish. Uh, keep in mind, this is 10 years after Adam West stuff ended. Right. The comics were goofy and Adam Westy for 10 years, and then this one shot came along, and it got suddenly dark again. Yep. And if you look at the art, and even the way the Joker's drawn, like, the Joker has, like, the classic 60s Joker face, but mm-hmm. there's something that's turning right. here. Like, it's definitely darker. And I always gave Frank Miller credit for making Batman dark again, but... Batman had already been dark thanks to books like this. So I think that's why this book stands out for like true collectors of that that era. Yeah. Um I've it's it's one I've always wanted to read but I've never gotten around to just because like I you know I'll, not to go on a tangent. Please, I just did. <laughs> I walk I went to the comic book store specifically to buy a collection of Neil Adams Batman stories. Yeah. But they're all recolored. And this, they oh, do this yeah. across the board. Yeah. The thing that sucks, though, is he recolored them. And he redraws stuff. What? If you look online, in these, when they do these collected versions of Neil Adams stuff, he goes in and he redraws stuff. He'll fix faces. He'll, I, I think, arguably, I think they're not as good. But, you know, for him, it, he's basically George Lucasing them. Right. Where he fixes stuff he doesn't like, and then he <laughs> recolors them with yeah. this modern coloring scheme, which I don't think is good to begin with. Yeah. But it just... For whatever reason, there's something that just yeah the the old colors just work it's for that art better yeah and they the yeah. new coloring just feels too computery when, and it, when they it recolored me... the Rocketeer I felt the same way yeah because the original Rocketeers were watercolor in in the 80s and 90s to print watercolor to reprint watercolor stuff took extra funding like you mm-hmm. needed like a prestige the right kind of paper I still or whatever. don't know how the hell they do that or did that I could explain it but no yeah, one wants to fine. hear about that <laughs> but um they went like uh they got rid of all of the watercolors on the original rocketeers yeah they took it from like norman rockwellian rocketeer to cgi computer style yeah and uh it's just so gaudy and over the top and it didn't do themselves any favors yeah i you know i I i've probably said this before but if i haven't um my favorite comic of all time is alan moore's miracle man right and it was out of print for 25 years Right. Because of rights issues, ironically enough. Um, <laughs> and, you know, after a long, long legal battle, Marvel finally got the rights to it. Right. And they were reprinting it. I was so excited. I am the demographic for that book. And it was right? expensive, too, right? It's expensive. Yeah. And they recolored everything. Right. And it's all modern coloring. And it's just, it doesn't, ugh. It just, yeah. they, they put much, all these, like, weird. Was it How much was it for the collection? For the collection, they were only, they only came out in hardcover. And it was like four issues, and it was like thirty bucks. It was it was not cheap. Yeah. And if they eventually put it out in like an omnibus, I'll I'll put the money in and I'll get it for the right. hell of it. But it's like, you know, it, man, huh? I am the specific demographic. I'm the person who wants to buy this book, and I right. didn't even buy it. Are you reading Miracle Man now? I uh, I haven't read it in a while, but I've I you know when I came across it, I'll be honest with you, I came across it. I downloaded it illegally because it was the only way I could find it. Right. Um, and Wait, I read the, it. The old stuff. Yeah, the original stuff. Not the new stuff. No. Well, they're not doing any new... I, I haven't downloaded the new printings. Right. I downloaded scans of the old stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. not available anywhere else unless you buy the back issues and they're expensive. Blah, blah, blah. No, yeah, yeah. No, no one's putting you under the gavel here. <laughs> um, 
And I read it and I was like, I can't believe this is out of print. I can't believe people don't read this anymore. Because if you read Miracle Man, you will see so many books that have taken from that. Right. And been praised as these like reinventions of superheroes. Mm -hmm. And it all goes back to Miracle Man. Kingdom Come, uh, The Sentry, all of these great, you know, turns on the superhero concept. Even Watchmen. Right. Watchmen is, uh, Miracle Man is kind of, I think he, I think Alan Moore wrote Miracle Man before Watchmen, and there's a lot of the same themes in Miracle Man uh, uh, that Dr. Manhattan has in, in Watchmen. It's, he, and he does it in Swamp Thing, too, where he re, he's really into, like, the idea of a, a normal person getting a godlike power mm-hmm. and how that person decides to slough off his human side. Right. So in Miracle Man... <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a Miracle Man podcast, but like he does it, he does it in in, in Watchmen with Doctor Manhattan, where he like chooses to get rid of his humanity. He yeah. does it in Swamp Thing, where Swamp Thing chooses to get rid of his humanity. He does it in Miracle Man, where he chooses to get rid of his humanity. Right. And the way that he handles it is so great. And it's like there's this massive. Ma- it, it, it takes the the idea of what if Superman, or I guess in Miracle Man's case, Shazam, and the Shazam family, the Captain Marvel family, were real, and how would that affect the world? And so there's this massive, massive battle at the end with uh, Miracle Man and Kid Miracle Man, where Kid Miracle Man just levels London. And so it's a, it's a, it's not quote unquote realistic, <laughs> but it's like it's it, 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 the consequences of what's happening. And you know how much I love consequences. Oh yeah, your favorite thing. Um, <laughs> are, uh, of of those characters existing is applied to it, and that's what that's why I love it so much. It's a great it's a great book. Right. But we're here to talk about Batman. <laughs> so why haven't you read the new Miracle Man by Tom King? Oh no, that's Mr. Miracle. Different book. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. I work in comics, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for like five minutes, the question I had to ask telling me it was wrong the whole time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. My- <laughs> no, Miracle I'm not gonna i I'll tell you about Miracle Man after we're done. He was in uh no, that's Animal Man. Yeah. Shit. Don't worry about it. I'll tell you when we're done. Wait, wait, this is a Marvel character or DC? Neither. <laughs> Going down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, back Don't to Batman. Don't edit this out. People should know I'm a moron. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Again, I gave you an out. <laughs> no, fuck it. Um, <laughs> I'll die on my sword. <laughs> so one thing that I did uh, notice about this episode, which is pretty funny, is uh, Batman is literally screaming underwater for a long time. Oh, I think I missed it. I, I, I think I missed that. So thing. he's underwater. Bullock's tied up in a chair. Batman's fighting a shark. Yeah. And there's a uh, piece of glass over the shark tank. Yes. So he can't even... So not only is he holding his breath for a minute, swimming, and fighting a shark, and on its shark's back with a chain through the shark's jaws, trying mm-hmm. to steer the shark. Every time he goes by the camera, it's like... <laughs> but it's not even bubbled up. It's just like, ah! I mean, he doesn't take any breaths, but he lets out like at least 30 seconds of screaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good mic work. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've definitely seen those pages from the book. So I, That's definitely from the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, the thing that I liked about this, uh, on top of the story, when I said the Joker is he's dangerous in this, they have started using the Joker laughing gas to very good effect, I think. Right. Like the uh, when that first guy gets it, the when he starts laughing and freaking out, that's that's really scary. Mm-hmm. And even the uh, excuse me, and even the uh, second one where Batman they switch, they switch costumes basically yeah so batman, batman puts this other guy in danger yes 
um, <laughs> when when it first goes off and it's Batman, right? Before you know they've switched, who right. starts getting affected with the laughing gas? You go, right. oh my god, that's that's scary shit, right? And then even the the shark thing I thought was pretty effective, and right. it's just the glee where where in Christmas with the Joker, right? All of his things are very zany, mm-hmm. and they're not really dangerous, and they're just sort of like goofy gags. Mm-hmm. In this, he's finding his humor and his glee out of upping the stakes and fucking people over f- worse. Right. So it's not that there's a shark in there. I mean, that's funny enough. Mm-hmm. But when he knocks Bullock in there, right. that's not funny enough. Then Batman goes in. That's not funny enough. Then he puts the glass over the top. That's right. hilarious. Right. You know, and which that's what I that's what I love about the Joker. It's like it's he's the only person he's trying to make laugh as he's himself. He's his own audience. Yes. Yeah. I love when he tries to escape. He hits the button. He's yes. on a, a seat <laughs> with a fishing rod, mm-hmm. and it, it it starts like rising up into this. He actually knocks himself out <laughs> on the ceiling, escaping. Yes. It's like a 50, sixty foot high ceiling. I mean, that just shows you the Joker doesn't have everything planned out. No, he's no. big on improv. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he plans out the parts that he cares about. You know, he's like on his sheet. I'm sure he has all of those beats right. for the Shark Tank planned out. Yeah. But then at the bottom, it's like get away question mark. Right. You know, he doesn't exactly know. Although, I mean, who knows what his fate was at the end? Because they uh, they yeah. imply that he may have been eaten by a shark, or maybe right. he wasn't. But well, so when he when he supposedly died, I liked Harley's line of like, "Oh yeah, uh, I'll miss him." And then Bullock standing behind her, he's like, "You know, he was a murdering sociopath and blah 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 blah." And she's like, "Yeah, I'll miss him." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love. That's another thing. I love that this early on, Bullock speaks the truth about like their relationship essentially where he's like you know this guy was awful right yeah you know yeah. i mean i mean he's being i guess he's being nice to her yeah. but he's like you understand that this is not a good guy and yeah. she's like yeah but i love it yeah you gotta love it though yeah yeah i actually like the subplot edition of bullock and batman yeah ba- bullock is sort of opposed to batman from the beginning batman's plan to uh, hey target why don't you dress up as Batman and I will dress up as you and then I'll get attacked and not you. But then he gets attacked anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bullock's like, this is crazy, Kamish. Like, what are you doing dicking around with the Batman? Like, he's totally against Batman. But at the end, when Bullock gets captured at the aquarium and Batman, they really kind of save each other. There is that moment where Bullock says to Batman, like, you know, punch him in the face for me or whatever. So that's yeah. like as much as you'll get out of Bullock as far as condoning Batman's actions. Yeah. I did I, like it for that reason. We've talked about Bullock a little bit in the past about whether or not he's a good cop. The thing that I find interesting about Bullock is do you feel like Bullock on some level wishes he could do what Batman does? I feel like that's where he lies, right? Yeah. He kind of is in that gray area where yeah. he's not going to break the law. Yeah. Well, but think, he he admires Batman as much as he hates him. I think Bullock thinks of himself as Dick Tracy. Yes. But he's lazy, and he doesn't go all the way. Yeah, lazy Dick Tracy is a really Dick good Tracy. way to put it. He kind of looks like a fat Dick Tracy, <laughs> a, so that makes sense. I have sense. a shape fat Dick Trace Dickey. <laughs> Trace Dickey, my favorite 30s baseball player. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, today I learned where the name the Dodgers came from. <laughs> I know I'm going to regret this. Go on. <laughs> uh, in Brooklyn, they had all these trolleys in the street, and getting out of the way of a trolley, you were a Dodger. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Short explanation. Oh, okay. There you go. I, that's not where I was expecting this story was going to go, and I'm glad it didn't go where I thought I, it was going to go. I don't even know why I ended up listening to a documentary about the Dodgers that I was drawing, because I'm not a baseball guy. Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, I once, uh, 
uh, when I couldn't sleep, I put on Ken Burns' baseball. I, f- I was like, oh, this is going to put me to sleep in seconds. Yeah. I could not <laughs> stop watching it. It was so interesting. <laughs> That's the problem with Ken Burns. Yeah. I tried to sleep to Vietnam, and man, that's just <laughs> <me> all night. <laughs> but I had another, oh, whatever. boy. Oh, so one thing I noticed was this when Joker poisoned the fish, he wasn't actually poisoning people. He could have. Right. But it, it was a two part toxin. Which gets into Batman 89. Yeah, there was a lot of Batman 89 in this, yes. So I'm wondering, like, and I haven't read the three comics that this came from, um, so the answer's probably out there. But in Batman 89, you have Joker having a toxin, but it's in two parts. It has to be, like, lipstick paired with eyeliner mm-hmm. or something. And when the two are used together, that's what makes you crazy. Yeah. This if, is if sort I was, of the same thing. If I was better, if I was more rehearsed, I could give you the exact line, but I've, I've forgot it at this point. Damn it, I wish I could remember it to up yeah. you. Yeah, when he's in Vicky Vale, he's like, it's not just lipstick. Yeah. It's eyeliner and yeah. eyeshadow, too. Yeah, I, I used to be able to. <laughs> I, you, I, actually had, I actually challenged somebody in college, because this is how cool I was in college, um, <clears throat> to pick any point in that movie. And then I would give you the next line. Oh yeah! And I beat it. I I did it every time. Nice. I, I don't think I can do it anymore. But I used to do that with spaceballs. Real? Oh, that, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's quotable. Um, yeah, I, I I did notice a lot of Batman '89 stuff, like the yeah. uh, the commercials for the the fish reminded me of the the Smilex yeah. commercials, the Love That Joker stuff. And but uh, I wonder if that <laughs> was if Batman '89 was influenced by the comics and then this cartoon was influenced by batman 89 which is yeah. influenced by the comics that the cartoon was based off of yeah i, w- I would you like know to I mean? know that too yeah, yeah because i everyone i always batman 89 always gets compared to dark knight returns mm-hmm. and i actually think it's closer to like killing joke right uh in the way that it handles the characters and stuff um so it wouldn't surprise me if there was some more right involved because i know what's his name tim burton famously is like i've never read a batman comic yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the person who wrote it didn't. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would, yeah. That, these are stories I would love love to read. Yeah. Call call DC and have them send you some free copies so we can both read them. <laughs> I actually told them to stop sending me shit because I didn't have anywhere to put it. And I got tired of receiving a bunch of comics I wasn't using. That's fair. Yeah. But they were like, okay. Boo, boo fucking who? <laughs> I actually had a, uh, um, someone online I posted a question on Twitter about favorite Batmobiles or something. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people thought the Tumblr was overrated. But mm-hmm. a lot of people started picking on the Keaton mobile. How dare they? They said the one with the big nipple. Oh, yeah. Right? I guess. Yeah. See, for you and me, we never it never occurred. No, it's but a jet if turbine. If you're younger and you're looking at it as your 66 Batmobile, basically, yeah. it might look kind of goofy. But that's when you take them aside and go, do you understand how planes work? This is a jet turbine. It's actually the most accurate. If you're going to put yeah. a jet on the back of the Batmobile, you're going to need the air intake on the front. But so sit the fuck down. It's true. But the sound you hear is like an obvious eight-cylinder engine. Yes. It's not a... Ob- ob- it's not obviously, a that's the sound. It's that burbling... That's not a turbine engine. That's an eight-cylinder American muscle engine, which makes me think that there's a turbine aspect to the... But if it has to, like, rocket off really fast, it switches the turbine. You're such a fucking nerd. <laughs> God, nerd. fucking nerd over here. But, yeah, people that were kind of picking on the 89, and I was stunned because I just thought we all universally agreed yeah. that that was the best one. Well, it, I mean, I, I can understand that because I think 
looking back at it, if you didn't grow up with that, I could look at that. I'm looking at the car right now. It's amazing. But I could look at that car and say, it's probably a little over-designed. No. <laughs> I thought about this a lot. I'm speaking from the point of view of someone who is only, has only known the Tumblr. Fuck that person. <laughs> so I've, I've thought a lot about this. And I, actually, we could make this a separate podcast. Do you want to do a separate Batman, Batmobile podcast? We're, we'll get there, because okay. I, I know we could get an entire hour out of that with okay. you. So, yes. But I, 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 Save so I'll, I'll give you the short, short of it right now. I understand that there's nostalgia happening. I understand why people like the 66. Yeah. But objectively speaking, from the concept artist part of me that looks at how design works and like the outline of a shape, the 66 Batmobile is not a great design. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's an opinion. I think it's objectively, you can almost scientifically prove that it's just not (laughs) that seduction, that seducive, um, I'm not trying to say. The shape of it just doesn't work on that level. Yeah. But the 89 Batmobile, I think, is pretty bulletproof. Yeah. Like, I can already see holes in the Tumblr design. I can see holes in the Batman animated series design. Yep. When I look at the uh, Keaton Mobile from any angle, you've got three basic parts that stand out from, from any level. You've got the front turbine part. Like, you can camera angles just shoot that, and you know exactly where you're looking at. You can shoot the outline for any angle, and, like, the... Uh, the uh, flares off the back, the bat wings stick up over the profile of the car. I yep. mean, it's just like, it's so good. Is it over the top? Yeah, in some movies, it would be over the top. But in the Burton movies, it totally fits in. Yeah. And I just feel like it's this isn't an, even an opinion. I think objectively, <laughs> scientifically speaking, it is literally the best Batmobile you could, that we've had so far. I, I'm not going to disagree with you because okay. I'm totally biased. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I think... I, I think Again, we'll get we I, I we definitely should do an episode that's just about the Batmobile because okay. I think people would love that. In my defense, I've been drinking a beer that's nine percent yes. for a while now. So, but uh, just <laughs> to quickly my my opinion on the Batmobile design since Please. then, um, I think a lot of the movie ones are subject to the same pitfalls as a lot of other concept design now, where HD stuff and digital filming is so hyper. There's so much resolution right. that things get way over-designed. Right. I think the Tumblr skirts the line where I think it's it's iconic looking, mm-hmm. but there's a lot going on there. Right. Uh, the Snyder Batmobile, I think, is way over-designed. Yeah. Um, and it's it's got so many small parts and so many you know textures and stuff, and you, right. you just lose you lose the mystery. It's, it's the, like a mystery. transformer. It's, exactly. It's crazy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and but, there's no clear shot. Like there isn't in the Snyder Batman. Sorry to cut you off. No, no problem. There isn't a clear shot where Batman's like, get in. And you see yeah. a camera angle of the car. You just see the car in Snyder. You see the car in action and it's blurry and CG. I mean, it's yeah. smoke everywhere. Like you don't know what the fuck he's driving half the time. Yeah, yeah. There's no, I mean, you know, with, with I think this is applicable to comics as well as movies. I think it's applicable to anything like this. Where if you have the ability to make so much busy stuff happen, mm-hmm. something has to be simple. Yeah. Right? So there has to be some element of your design has to be simple enough yeah. to take the weight yeah. of, of your eye. Right. So if you've got your background, if you're thinking about the Justice League movie, you've got this all this shit flying through the air and you've got all these crazy backgrounds and parademons flying around Mm -hmm. and you've also got this hyper over-designed batmobile coming through yeah it's too much yeah or like if to jump to star trek discovery for a second in the first season we had uh we kind of wes and i kind of ran afoul of one of the concept designers by accident 
because he showed there was they they showed this design for this Klingon torchbearer thing, like mm-hmm. uniform. And it's super cool. It's really cool, but it's so overdesigned. It's very modern. Mm-hmm. Lots of little tiny bits, and uh, it's in the show for about five seconds. Right. And it shows up during a space battle where right. the main character is fighting this guy on top of a ship right. while like a star in the background is pulling apart a moon or some shit. <laughs> and you don't even see what you're looking at. It's yeah. in and it's out in five seconds. And yeah. I was like, this guy yeah. spent so much time designing this thing yeah. and yeah. you can't even tell what the fuck it is. Yeah. And I think that applies to comics. I think it applies to movies, everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, little, too many little bits yeah. of design because I like that phrase. When you have the CGI era of animation and design, mm-hmm. like even new Lamborghinis, like hypercar Lamborghinis, you don't know where to look. Yeah. Because like a computer has decided that this is the crazy stealth wedge shape that'll work in a wind tunnel. But like, I don't know what the standout design feature is. Right. If I look at a Countach or a Ferrari Testarossa, mm-hmm. like I know the back wide end, the rear end, like a human came up with that because he carved it out of clay. Yep. And there's something about it that's like instantly recognizable. If you overcomplicate your shapes, then it's lost. And I think that's what happens with like Michael Bay's Transformers, yep. with the new Batmobile. Like you zoom in, like you've got like gears on top of gears on top of gears yep. in the background, and then a moon being torn apart. I mean, it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to look at right now? Yeah, exactly. Like a simple shape catches the eye. It's like, huh, like the the Batman turbine front end. Yeah, does it look like a nipple? Sure, sure. but it's like a circle with a little thing coming out. Like, great, I know that I'm facing the front of the Batmobile. Yeah, your brain can go on to other things. You can you can have that drive by. Yeah, and so much stuff going on in the background, yeah, exactly. you still know what you're looking at. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Testarossa, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Miami Vice lately. <laughs> That's right. I hate. The single mirror. I hate it so much. Single mirror. The Testarossa has the one... It only has one uh, mirror, driver's side mirror. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have the the other one. Because back back in the 80s, I guess. Because I had a car... uh, Our family had a car that only had one mirror. Yeah, that was kind of a thing for a while. As a designer, I fucking hate it. It's this asymmetrical bullshit. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> you spend, you had to spend like... Uh, and it's not on the door either. It's on the frame of the window yeah. of the windshield, which is even weirder. And you the, Back in the 80s, those things cost, uh, you know, $200,000, which was a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. And a lot of money now. You wouldn't even get two mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the visibility... I want a second things. mirror. I've sat in a Testarossa, yeah. and I, my head was against the ceiling. Oh, you boy. would not be able to drive a Testarossa. Oh, that's such a damn shame. You would drive it as a convertible. Oh, God. That's such a great car. <laughs> it's designed from the outside in. I don't that's care. That's the problem. I don't care. The pedals are in the middle, so you're like facing diagonally that's as you're cool. driving in a straight line. It's awesome. It looks great. <laughs> I'm with you. I finally, uh, a couple years ago, I, I finally got to sit inside a DeLorean. Oh, God. And I was surprised how roomy that was. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I was talking, I, I sat it's inside slow. of it. Whoa. Have you driven it? Uh, no, he wouldn't let me drive it, okay. which is fine, because I, th- I don't know if it was a manual or motor, but I, I can't drive manual. Um, I sat in it, and I was very, I didn't think I was going to fit. But then I sat down, and I, it was actually fairly roomy, and I'm a tall guy. I'm like 6'3". Um, and the guy whose car it was was telling me, yeah, uh, John DeLorean, is that his name? John? Yeah, he was tall. Yeah. He's a tall guy. Yeah. And so he designed a car that he could fit in. Yeah. And I was like, I knew I liked this With car. With a Peugeot engine, underpowered. The car is, that is a horrible car. Yeah, it's a shame. I love it, but uh, it is a horrible car. Such a shame. <laughs> anyway. We can talk about that during our Batmobile yeah, podcast. Back to Batman. Um, I, yeah, I think we've pretty much more or less covered this. Uh, so I give it a three, but I agree that it probably deserves a four, but it's just not my thing. 
Yeah, what would you, uh, if you had to pick something to draw, what would you pick? There's a point where Bullock is walking into the aquarium, and it's shot through the inside of um, fish tanks. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for drawing fish, coral, and underwater goop. Like, I love that stuff, so yeah. I would draw that scene. I uh, My original answer was that I wouldn't draw any of it because I would just go and read the comic that it was came from, who probably did it better than I ever could. Oh, God. I'm glad you didn't answer with that. Um, however, I will say... I am, as I said, I have a little model of the the cover, the famous La- uh, Neil Adams Laughing Fish cover. I am very upset that they did not recreate that cover in the show, of him, of the Joker holding the two fish in front of Batman. It's just such an iconic cover. Is that what that is? Yeah. Why did you buy this, by the way? Because uh, I bought that years and years ago. I wanted a Joker thing, wow. and I thought it was kind of cool. This is made out of metal. Yeah, it's pewter. Holy shit. So you bought this years ago? Long time ago, yeah. After you saw the episode? No. I, don't, I think I just bought it because I liked it. Because you like Joker. It's like Joker standing in a Wild West stance with two fish as yeah. six guns. Yeah. Smiling like a crazy man. Hands up, Batman. I've got you covered. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a famous Neil Adams cover. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that they didn't take the opportunity to recreate that shot. Maybe they did and I just missed it, but I was, I was looking for it and I didn't see it. Is that Neil Adams? I don't think it is. Well, whoever it is. It's a great cover. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's Neil Adams. I'm not 100% no, sure. I don't think it is. Rogers and... I can't read the second name. Neil Adams. That bicep, <laughs> that's not a Neil Adams bicep. Yeah, that's, it might not be. But it's, it's it, regardless, it's an iconic Batman I cover. I think you get ripped off here, Clay. I don't know. Hey, man. <laughs> I love that cover. No, honestly, I wonder what the original art Do that the cool thing where now. you can cut back and forth I mean, between Manuela lightning strikes and like punches and stuff like that and really... I may have said I've probably picked something similar to this in the past because clearly you know what I like. But you want Batman lit by fire? Oh yeah. And lightning. Yeah. Batman, fire and lightning. It sounds like a. Um, That's a good name for a book. Like fire and ice, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> what would fire and lightning actually even do with do together? Doesn't matter, man. You gotta have a villain that gives up. So fire would be Azrael. Lightning would be Electro. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Electra is Marvel, right? Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> Never studied. Um, I don't consume, I create. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, I think that's about it cool. for this episode of Batman. If you like the podcast, please give us a rating or review on iTunes. Or uh, if you're on any Batman Reddit boards and they're asking, like, hey, are there any good Batman podcasts? Talk about this one. Talk about this one. Yeah. Uh, because... You know, that stuff, pe- people read that stuff and it's very helpful. Yep. And we're thinking about doing a Patreon or something soon. Yeah, I think by the time this comes out, I think we will be part of the Penske File Patreon. Yeah, if you want to throw a couple bucks this way, it doesn't, I'm not taking anything. It's just for Clay who cuts these together. Give me your money. The hard work. Give me your money. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we, we've actually got a, a, a Penske File um, t shirt shop where you can buy. Uh, badass t-shirts if you want nice um which i did not look up the address for but you'll be able to find it <laughs> we're totally prepared yeah i actually wasn't planning on doing this but here I, we are i think we need to get dinner i think we're yeah i tired. think so too <laughs> uh but yeah if you want to if you want to do that you can you can uh if you sign up for the penske file patreon you get all of the extra stuff that wes and i cover we do uh uh movies and all that kind of stuff lots of star trek that's your thing or if you just want to support us, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, if you've got any questions, if you want to shoot us some questions, you can do so. Uh, send us an email, podcast B-A-T-T-A-S-S podcast at gmail.com, or shoot us a tweet on Twitter. It's uh, at 
badass podcast. Uh, that's going to do it, I think, for us. Thank you, Sean. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And next time we'll be back with Robin's Reckoning oh, Part 1 and yeah. Part 2. See you guys. Bye.